0: Learned death
1: is not the, end of the, new flesh. Long left the flesh. I was hoping you'd be back
0: welcome to the new flesh podcast my name is Brett Arnold at Brett redacted on Twitter and uh, your usual co-host Joe Avella uh, Instagram Joe as we call him uh, he's not here today because I don't even know why uh, if I were he- if if this were him doing a intro without me he would say something crass about how I have like I'm having like butt surgery or something but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do that to him I'm just gonna give him the benefit of the doubt he was too busy preparing for next week's episode to be here next week's gonna be such a barn burner we're gonna be here talking about another killer doll movie I think uh, Annabelle comes out next week
1: oh yeah she comes home Annabelle does
0: come home. Uh, (laughs) That voice you heard was my guest. First time guest of the new Flesh podcast. Uh, I've been a fan of this guy's work for a while. We are friends on Twitter. We've never met before. We've never spoken before this moment. Uh, This is Nick Allen, uh, editor at RogerEbert.com, contributor at Vulture and other places. What's up, Nick Allen?
1: What's up? Thanks for having me. and Nice to meet you uh, for the first time ever.
0: For the first time ever in history, yeah it's a no his- longer
1: you know Twitter liking and retweeting it's like it's getting more serious it's getting really serious. I
0: should probably let my girlfriend know that this is happening <laughs> she's upstairs she might she might hear this I don't know what's gonna happen uh, yeah, this episode is sure to be sure to be exciting uh so we're here today to talk about honestly a movie I was dreading uh, it is a remake of. One of my, you know, touchstone classic movies from my childhood, uh, *Child's Play*, uh, the Chucky movies. Uh, we all have a history with them. I feel like Joe doesn't like them. His uh, fiance <laughs> is is scared of them and won't let him watch them in the house. Is my understanding? Whoa! Yeah. She not like dolls. Yeah, I think I think so. I think that's the case. Some people wow. just have a straight up aversion to this type of thing. Uh, I think Joe's take is more l- one of the like. Just fucking kick him. How is he killing people? <laughs> just just punt him across the room, which is, like, fine. But, like, then you're, like, if you do that for any horror movie, you're going to, you know, fall into that trap of believability. Like, just, just roll with it. It's a killer doll movie. Um, right. Yeah, but I wasn't excited for this modern update. It sounded like it had the trappings of every bad modern horror re- remake where it was like, mm, this is an update. We're going to get the technology involved now. It's, it's 2019. We're going to go full high tech. But uh, does it work this time? I'm teasing it. We're not going to tell you right away. You got to listen. <laughs> you got to listen to all gotta this listen. bullshit. Keep, stay tuned. Stay tuned. Um, before that, uh, Nick has seen some... Upcoming features that I'm very excited about for wildly different reasons. We'll talk about those in a little bit. Yep. Um, what else did I see this week? I have to pull up my letterboxed diary, which I forgot to pull up. I feel like I haven't been watching a lot of stuff. I just got back from vacation. You, oh, actually. You
1: did, you, do a triple, you did a triple feature, uh, I was, uh, if, if yes. uh, my Twitter stalking is correct. right? Yes, you did. it's true. I did yeah, a triple feature
0: of yeah late night the dead don't die and then the new child's play so i got two things to talk about and that day was interesting that triple feature wasn't the best plan and i'll explain why just so many teases we got like two or three teases in the fire right now yeah. um god this is gonna be a jam-packed episode jam-packed i don't know if we're gonna have time to do it all just kidding i'm gonna keep <laughs> you here for four hours we're gonna go pete holmes style on this one um all right well how, how was your week
1: anything notable going on in, you live in chicago I live in Chicago. Yeah, nothing uh, too notable. I wrote a piece on uh, Mark Hamill roles on, uh, for Vulture. So this past week, I spent my time being a Hamillologist. Okay. And of course, I couldn't get everything. So if you're someone who read that article and is mad at me for forgetting the trickster in the Flash series, I am sorry. Oh, yeah, you're <laughs> getting
0: those, those nerd emails
1: pouring I in. I couldn't. I The comment section is, you know, they've they've, they've called me on a few things. And, and then supported, like, I got Corbett Summer, but... But I missed uh, the trickster, and uh, the internet has has uh, has showed their ire. I love it. So the internet loves to get weekend. mad. Oh yeah. Um,
0: what I said, the internet loves to get mad, and that's a pretty. I like that. That's a very specific anger right there. That you didn't put uh, a, an obscure Mark Hamill role
1: <laughs> on this list. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I so, tried. I tried to get very obscure. I went to all of his weird acting roles, like when he played a Nazi, and you know, uh, Corbett Summer or Talus, and all this other shit. But no, was I mean, the Nazi he's a role? geek god for a reason. So I'm scum. That's all I'm trying to say.
0: <laughs> what, what what Nazi <laughs> did, did Mark Hamill play?
1: In a movie directed by Jess Franco, he plays a Nazi in like a love triangle. Oh, um, wow. And he wears glasses and he has a really bad accent. And you get to see him uh, die on screen while getting married in the process. It's like a really strange moment. What? Um, <laughs> but I pointed it out, yeah. That's Mark Hamill's got some kooky stuff in his filmography. Um, Well, yeah. So, So, and
0: and I'm imagining this was news pegged to the Child's Play uh, release this weekend because, as we all know now, Mark Hamill is the voice of uh, New Chucky. Um, And and you Chucky is how I was saying that, not N E W. If you're wondering, thank you. (laughs) Wow, I have to spell shit out for our listeners, man. (laughs) Um, What else? Uh, Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill was in. Brigsby
1: Bear. Brigsby Bear, which I That's exactly the voice loved. he uses. Yes. Truck. I Chuck. Me too. Me too. I'm a huge Brigsby Bear. Brigsby boy. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what we're calling ourselves now? The Brigsby boys? That's, that's the uh that's like the, the the users that he talks to on the on the so-called message board, like Brigsby oh, boy too. Yeah, one, that's Lucy right. Two. That movie. So I, I consider myself a Brigsby boy. I love it.
0: I I saw it. It's one of those movies I saw like I knew it was only going to be in theaters for like another couple of days, and I went and saw it. Yep. Didn't hear any th- much about it, and I I, I I was blown away by that movie. Like it was just very sweet and sad and weird and like. Yep. It's just like for how sweet it is, the plot is just so twisted. Also. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Great movie. If you haven't so, seen Brigsby, yeah, before, I'm sure it's streamable somewhere. You got to watch it.
1: Yeah, Sony Picture Classics. I don't know. They didn't handle that one very well. They kind Whoa, of just let it they dissipate. You
0: know. Yeah, Kyle Mooney, great movie. Wow. All
1: yeah, right. he's so great in it too. His performance is is uh, one of his best performances in anything, and he's quite a quite a guy. With, quite. With yeah. With tra- trauma and with sadness and fighting the comedy in that, you know, yeah. on SNL and Good Neighbor.
0: Couldn't agree more. Um, yeah. What else do I have? Do I have anything to note for this week before we get into the news? Let me check my calendar. This is the part where I check my calendar live. Oh, sure. On the, on the pod. I was just in Antigua with my girlfriend. Wow. The first vacation. We've like an actual vacation that wasn't like a wedding or something, you know? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So it was great. Good for you. Thank you. It was awesome. So that's why I wasn't here last week. Um, what else? And while I was there... God, I I decided that this was the time to get back into reading, which was great, and I did read a bunch. Reading
1: reading is very cool. Yeah, especially when it's
0: like by a beach or on a, you know, at a pool all day. I really just sat at a sat in a lawn chair and read books the whole time it was great well what did you read that's that's where i'm getting at uh i read Uh, (laughs) i read uh pet cemetery for the first time which was incredible but like what a dark choice on my behalf (laughs) like i'm sitting there in the in in the sun uh soaking up all the rays and i'm just reading about like death and dying and despair and grief and uh specifically i you know i have a couple of friends staying at my apartment back in new york at the time to watch my mm-hmm. cats so i'm reading about dead cats and i'm all paranoid that oh, cats yeah. are going to get out i kept like texting them like hey is my cat dead and or resurrected yet what's happening <laughs> uh so they thought saddest. i was crazy <laughs> uh yep. but yeah besides the reading of dark materials uh-huh, i didn't read his dark materials that was confusing <laughs> i'm very <laughs> i'm very I- sorry um But yeah, I had a great vacation, happy to be back um, in my new apartment. I'm lying on my brand new couch, which was just delivered uh, two days ago after much. um, They tried to deliver it once before and they couldn't get it down the stairs. So I had to force these poor guys to bring this gigantic couch through my entire apartment to get it through the back door, which I had to take off myself because this couch was just massive. So I'm just basking in in the completed task right now. Congratulations! Right. Thank you so much. That's been my life for the week. Uh, I know you don't care. I just kind of
1: we just met. I'm piling on I'm about impressed. my life. <laughs> I'm impressed. You have a couch and you go on vacation. I mean, that's pretty big.
0: I'm really just yeah. I'm just bragging over here. I'm so yeah. sorry. That's why I invite people on that I don't know, and then I just right. tell them about how great things are for me. And then I'm like, well, uh, yeah, what's up couch. with you? And then I don't, don't don't even follow up, and I move on. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm uh, I'm uh, looking for a roommate, so I need someone who has a couch. So I'm just going to okay. put that out there in the podcast world.
0: Yeah, this is perfect. <laughs> Chicago listeners, live with this guest of the New Flesh podcast. With the guest, come on. Yeah, uh,
1: well, sell 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 yourself. What uh? What uh, is the what, yeah. I, what is the? Let's see. Let's see. Sell myself. I like quiet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like movies. I don't have a TV. Uh, Let's Likes see. movies, no TV. I like that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, I'm nice. Uh, Okay. And it's pretty good. See. I don't uh, stay home often. So I'm usually at my girlfriend's place. So I wouldn't even be home that much. That was a pretty good, uh, pretty good sell. Uh, any <laughs> Chicago people reach out to uh, Nick
0: Allen. Is it Nick Allen underscore Redux? Swear, Redux. Is that an Apocalypse Now reference?
1: What are we working with here? I think, you know what? I think you're the first person asking. ask, it. it was just, uh, I thought it was funny to have like a sequel title as a name. Ah. This was a long time ago, and I don't think it's stayed, but I think it's stuck, so it doesn't, uh, yeah. Okay.
0: There you go. I'm, I'm really, glad I, I asked
1: let me make you think
0: (laughs) officially on the record
1: um all right
0: well we're gonna jump to let's do it the bits and pieces section this is where we talk about the news of the week um there are a plenty of headlines to to choose from here i will start with uh this stephen king update which we uh, uh, you know we keep having these every week there seems to be (laughs) a new stephen king update this week is james marsden is circling the lead role of Stu redmond in the stand cbs all access's adaptation um the stand is if, if joe were here he would be talking about the stand more than i would because he has read it he loves it um i know there's a <laughs> he has read it he's read it i have not i remember i just discovered reading days yep. ago on my new right, on my vacation right. read it though. yeah i'm getting there the stand is on my kindle i'm ready to do it um but The Stand is coming to CBS All Access with director Josh Boone of uh, mm. horror <laughs> horror film fans love him for his uh, other feature, inclu- uh, The Fault in Our Stars. The Fault in Our Stars, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah. Uh, New Mutants, right? Uh, that's right, The New Mutants, but that movie does not exist. <laughs> it
1: does not exist, and we will never see it. Yeah,
0: it got delayed again. I think we brought that up last week or two weeks ago. I just, that is going to end up streaming on disney's whatever i think and like That's that'll right, be the end of okay. it like i just don't see them how much yeah. more money can you spend on this thing like it's a movie that stars teenagers who are going to be like 30 by the time it comes out like it's very it's very silly. true very silly stuff um but i have not read the stand i actually haven't even seen the stand uh i know it is what there was a 1994 miniseries with gary sinise that oh, i yeah. don't remember if people like it or hate it i feel like king fans like it but it's probably not you know it's probably tv movie quality right so i'm uh this technically is still tv but it's you know a prestige drama adaptation i would imagine um and right let's see it's a nine episode arc uh based on the post-apocalyptic horror novel by king that vividly outlines the total breakdown of society after the accidental release of a strain of influenza that had been modern that had been modified for biological warfare and causes an apocalyptic pandemic which kills off the majority of the world's human population or as I would call it a great beach read um, <laughs> uh, yeah, sounds good to me uh, that book is in my in my queue right now I'm going to read it very soon uh, and I'll be I'll be back with my take I know people are really excited for my take oh, yeah. on this let's get book. a
1: really hot take on
0: the stand <laughs> from, the book That's, from like the, the 80s take on the <laughs> book. yeah exactly I love it um any have you have you seen it or read it
1: no i am a bit king challenged so this whole revival has been very educational for me because now it's brought up like oh like tell me what happens in the book and it and then someone tells me about the horrific scene of like the group sex with the children and i'm like oh you're like sounds like a cool guy Uh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah i should read more of this (laughs) That that sounds like someone from Maine. Yeah, I know a lot of Maine people. That does sound like you know a Mainer right yes. there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you're you're not a big fan, or you just never read them? Like when you just, they, never, just never read them? No, I just haven't. It hasn't happened. Yeah, I haven't read. So I mean, I I've, I've seen Mark King movies maybe than both read the books. Um, but you were a big like you Shining, a big fourteen oh eight guy. What? Fourteen oh a long time ago maybe. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, yeah. that was the most but obscure one I, like I could pull. Say so what? I said
0: that was just the most obscure title I could pull that I could uh, think of someone being obs- a fan of.
1: That obscure outhouse or film, se- Secret nowhere. Window. I don't know. Those oh, are the bad my God. Ones. God. Yeah, I remember that one, yeah. Oh Brother. These are, this revival is really uh, really interesting, though.
0: Yeah, um, it's been. I feel like the movies have just generally been better. Like, I mean, Pet Cemetery was really bad, uh, but <laughs> before that, uh, Gerald's Game was great. Um, right. Yeah, right. like they're just getting the attention they deserve and i, I really hope um the the doctor's sleep is good i haven't watched the trailer i don't want to watch the trailer but um mm-hmm. i've heard the book is not good but it's one of those things where it's like well mike flanagan's involved and i feel like i heard that he was rewriting the script entirely which was i think a, an akiva goldsman script which i oh I, per, I perused once because someone sent it to me and it's Very very bad. Um, How how many puns are in it? Oh, my God. The whole thing. It's just all one pun. (laughs) It's like it's also was very long, if I recall. But of course it is because the book is. Um, I don't know. Mike Flanagan and King is a great combo. And I hope he I hope he unlocks that one. But uh, I think it was Lex G on Twitter who was complaining about the casting of Ewan McGregor. Because he's like, you know, Danny Torrance grown up is like this alcoholic person who's traumatized by his experience and like they cast the very handsome not bloated like Ewan McGregor oh interesting yeah so uh so who would
1: they rather have like Neil Hamburger or something like that <laughs> yeah
0: Neil Hamburger in character <laughs> yeah the whole time
1: that is exactly
0: the suggestion what a different movie that would be uh, <laughs> uh yeah I kind of want to see it now <laughs> me too um all right moving on uh this is an exclusive from Collider I haven't seen it uh, confirmed by anybody else but apparently, uh, Halloween Two is gearing up to start shooting after Labor Day, and Universal's planning to release it on October sixteenth, twenty twenty, which uh, Blumhouse had already reserved that for an untitled film. Uh, so that's people are speculating that's what it is. Yep. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is all but assured to return, as well as uh, Judy Greer and Andy Matcheck. I think her name was. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the biggest news here is. The Collider source says that David Gordon Green wrote the script and is expected to return, um, but it doesn't say. Oh, that does say he's expected to return to direct, but that that would mean to me doesn't. I think Danny doesn't wasn't it Danny McBride and uh, uh, who else? Danny McBride executive produced uh and helped write the last one yeah he helped write it yeah yeah yeah. so i think this one it's it appears to be saying he's still on board for producing but he he might not be writing it which would be interesting Mm. um i thought david gordon green's um you know his artistic sensibilities actually lent themselves really nicely to halloween like all those like Mm. long shots of uh michael uh just like I don't know there was just all these like very artful artfully framed shots of Michael in that movie I was just like mm-hmm. yeah I would love if more art house directors like got all this schlocky material you know um so yeah I'm excited for that and we'll see uh we'll see if that comes true because I cannot confirm it it's just collider report so uh grain of salt yeah here.
1: it's interesting that he like David Gordon Green used to be so prolific and much busier um and then he seems to have slowed down um and if he's like making. I think he's making a Walter Cronkite movie now with Seth Rogen. Is that right? Or I don't know. I don't know if that's off the ground yet. Um, but I know that's that was a project that he was going to do with Walter Cronkite and Seth Rogen be playing the character. Ooh, um, oh, Walter Cronkite!
0: I don't even know what my impression was. That was bad. I, I bailed on it before I even said it. Forget it ever happened. I'm, I'm editing it out. <laughs> No,
1: cut, it no. out, cut it out cut it out <laughs> only for the patreon only for the patreon people. yes
0: subscribe to our patreon wow thank you for bringing it full circle we do Bogey. have one and we do want subscribers i won't <laughs> I, I i will not bore them but this this is my very bad ad for our patreon that nick allen just brought up on his own didn't even have plug. to do it thank you if i learned
1: anything from watching hundreds of hours of logan paul videos it's always plug <laughs> why did you do that <laughs> depression uh, oh, I is, thought you were going <laughs> to say a, like a project or like some sort of uh, I no did I it. think I wanted it one day to be a project like oh this will be like I can write about it but no I just have a lot of Logan Paul knowledge oh that God. I have I feel like, like that's so when Char-
0: Charles Bermesco was telling me he's pitching doing a thing about watching every Netflix movie which to his credit, it did eventually get, uh, you know, published somewhere. But like, yeah, I, I would, I love the idea that he did that, and then no one wanted to, to pay him for it. He just like spent <laughs> like a year of his life watching these movies, and everyone's like, "Yeah, no, that's okay. We don't want that." Yep. <laughs> yep.
1: Yeah, he's uh, got that uh, on Vulture now. Like every original Netflix film, I think. Yeah. God bless. He just keeps updating. God yeah. bless him.
0: I don't know how he does it. I can't. I can't stand them for the most part. I don't. <laughs> um I can't stand movies. I hate them. I can't uh, stand movies either. Yeah, they're really bad. Uh David Gordon Green though, uh you know his his career yep. is just so strange. Like it's truly unique in that he went like indie darling. Uh one of his movies is on the Criterion Collection. He's like oh, yeah. a very artful guy. Uh and then he also did like Your Highness and The Sitter pineapple express Pineapple Express, which is fucking amazing and i love right. it right but it's just like his career just went in such a different direction than i expected it to and now and then he went back to those type of uh indie movies he did like uh the one with was it avalanche with uh Paul prince Rudd? avalanche, prince avalanche. and then he did did you do snow angels that's him right snow Angels. absolutely
1: Ange- yeah that's snow angels yeah, that's snow that's angels top tier, green, David top Gordon, green.
0: tier. David Gordon green love that one uh did he do Joe? Is that what it's called?
1: You did Joe. That's also top tier. Nicolas yes, Cage, Joe, great, Nick great non-actor performances in that.
0: Yes, David Gordon Green is great. Uh, and Dude, then, where is he? Come on! I know. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm I'm all for him returning for uh, Halloween too. I just sure ha- Halloween I quite liked, but I also have my issues with it. I was kind of mixed, um, mm-hmm. but the good outweighs the bad, and like I'm very excited to see what they do with another one. Yep. Speaking of another one. Uh there's a new paranormal activity in development at Whoa. Paramount.
1: Yes. Can you believe it? Um No, tell me uh I re- well, I already traveled into the Ghost Dimension, so I don't understand like where <laughs> else they could go. They did. The last one, <laughs> I, I believe the last one was the
0: Ghost Dimension. That was yes. in twenty fifteen. So there hasn't been the, the paranormal oh. activity franchise has been dormant for years. Um and now uh Jason Blum, who you know, kind of I feel like that was maybe his first foray into like this new type of filmmaking this really cheap uh horror stuff that ends up being super profitable so uh he's they're going back to it of course because why not it's cheap and it makes money uh the project is currently in development as yet there's no title details are being kept under wraps the film would be the seventh in the franchise which has grossed nearly 900 million worldwide Mm -hmm. um yeah as we said the last one was the ghost dimension it also had a spinoff called the marked ones that was i was just
1: gonna say marked ones
0: yeah the latino like uh centric spinoff which like as i've talked about on the curse of la Llorona episode that's just like an underserved demographic that they they turn out for horror movies they really do so um yeah, it's really interesting to see uh, how the industry adapts to the, the that type of you know, when they get the demographic data in. They're like, "Oh, we got to make a paranormal activity about this." You know, it's just yep. it's funny to see how that works. Uh, also, uh, a Quiet Place Two has begun production for spring next Ugh. year. Writer director John Krasinski uh, revealed Emily Blunt's back. He's back. Everyone's back. The Quiet. He's back. <laughs> He's back. I think. I mean, <laughs> What? Yeah, <laughs> can you believe Sorry. it? Is it a prequel? Is he a is he a force ghost? What's happening? We don't know. Um, we'll find out, I guess, okay. soon. Um, yeah, Quiet Place was fun, and I I don't know. I hope that I hope the sequel goes in an in- interesting direction because it could end up just being like really unnecessary.
1: But we'll see. I think it's the, the, the chances. I mean, it's such a contained concept, right? It's like a. It's like it's less of a story than is like a scenario of like you got to be in quiet. So how do you like, expand upon that? How do you kind of create that lightning again, really?
0: Yeah, I was going to suggest, you know, doing what a number of movies since then have done, which is like just tweak it a little, like the bird box. They're blind this time. Or uh, the sense yeah. of smell. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. there's going to just be another sense to, to uh, oh, yeah, up the ante, you know? They can, they can do at least uh, five of these with every sense, and then they're going to bail. Right. I, wanna, I want five, like Avatar, one after the other. Year after, year. I mean,
1: I'm sure they're thinking about that, right? They they want to make as much horror franchising. Oh, I'm sure they are. As possible. Yeah.
0: And speaking of Avatar, in the we're in the interesting moment right now. It's like you know, this Hollywood summer season started about a month ago, I would say, mm-hmm. and uh, there's just been the past few weeks have just been an onslaught of very bad box office uh, weekends with terrible sequels that nobody asked for, um, and it got me wondering, like they really are going all in on the, on the avatar ones, like to the point of, you know, it's been, it's already been too long and there, there hasn't been a single one. And now there's going to, they're going to do like four more. And we've talked about a lot on this podcast, but do you think that, that market that made avatar the most, you know, the biggest movie ever, do those people still give a fuck at all?
1: I don't see. That's the thing. I think I, I would ask you the same question. I don't think so. I think that, if they can make it an event, people will kind of come out. But it's a it's a worldwide thing. Yeah, that's the it's thing. It's reflective upon –
0: yeah. Yeah, all we talk about on this show every time it comes up is, like, can you name a single person who's, like, a fan of that movie or who, like, like watches it, like, on, like, a yearly basis or is even remotely excited for the idea of, like, another Jake Sully sure. adventure? Like, I can't.
1: Uh, no, even if Vin, even if Vin Diesel is in it, you know, I'm still not as super, uh, amped up on it as I, Oh yeah, I forgot about that. it's like, there was like this spread in EW. I feel like it was a
0: bunch of kids. Like they announced a bunch of kids are in this movie. And then after that, they're finally like, okay, also Vin Diesel, like, please come see it. (laughs) Please see this movie. Um, it just feels like you're right. it, It needs to be an event again, because the reason it was so big the first time is it was, the new 3D technology was kind of like the benchmark. Uh, I remember the theater I worked at in Evanston, Illinois. You may know it, the Century, wow. the Century mm-hmm. Twelve Cinema Art Six. I was a projectionist for many years. Um, wow. they, they, you know, they. That's when they got the XD theater. That's when they got their big 3D theater mm-hmm. for, from Avatar, and like it was an experience and it was cool. And I still remember that and thinking it was great. But I'm not gonna watch that movie at home.
1: So, hell no.
0: Hell no. Never. And even though For it's on fun? even though it's on TNT every day or <laughs> I'm still not going to watch it. Um but yeah, I just so if they can do some sort of I know James Cameron's like, you know, filming underwater or like doing all this crazy shit to try and yeah. uh, make it visually interesting, but like I don't know, man. The 3D thing has come and gone already since then and like Absolutely. I just don't think the appetite's gonna be there, but then then you look at the numbers and you're like, okay, it truly is like the biggest movie ever. But again, it's tied to such a specific moment. It's gonna. There's no way any one of them gets even close to the original budget. And I bet I bet what happens is the next one comes out and it does like just enough to get like one more, and they bail after the after the third one. That's. I my mean, they're
1: making them all at the same time, right? That's what they say, but like,
0: didn't they say that like yeah. fucking four years ago? Like, what? Wh- how? Yeah, what they mean? keep they
1: keep pushing him back.
0: Yeah, they keep pushing him back, and like at this point, I'm sure they've shot a ton of it. But like, I don't know how he's assembling it. But uh, yeah, I don't know. That that just sounds like a disaster waiting to happen. And like, just all the, all so- all signs lately are pointing to. Not all sequels are underperforming, like uh, even though uh, Toy Story just this weekend did like 118 and people are saying that underperformed, which technically I guess it did for what it was expected, but like that's still a lot of money and it's and it's it, that's a successful opening in my opinion. Um, but you know, last week we had Men in Black International, which again, who like nobody wanted that. That was just a miscalculation, no, yeah. like... Like you know, Chris Hemsworth doesn't sell tickets. Thor sells tickets. Tessa Thompson doesn't sell tickets. Uh, Thor Ragnarok sold tickets. Like it's really they just falsely assumed these these people uh, were had star power to sell tickets, and they didn't. And then what was the other movie that uh, Shaft? Who the fuck wanted Shaft? Like they already remade Shaft in two thousand, and like it was probably moderately successful then. And it's just like this take on it, like the way they were advertising it on Twitter, just like the very like conservative grandpa voice like it was like very very strange uh very strange times in hollywood right now i don't know what i'm talking about
1: (laughs) it's i think it's just it comes down to like with men in black like you know okay it's a men in black movie i know what that is but i don't want to see a new version of that story so it it is like how mark Amherst is talking about they're relying on just like franchises too much just like here's a franchise you want this it's like no i don't like, I have no interest in seeing a new Men in Black story. That's as simple as that. Give me something new, and I'll be curious about it. You know, like, if they were in, if Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson were in an original screenplay that had, like, a good hook to a story, that'd be much more enticing. So and what you're like, saying oh, is quality matters. Well, uh, yeah, you know what? I feel like that might be a big part of this problem. It, it is. It Like, they, they just, yeah, they, no, just they think the name recognition
0: is enough. And, right. uh... It, you know clearly it isn't and I'm, I'm and i can't wait for them to all learn all the wrong lessons about it somehow they always do oh yeah they always find some but that's like scapegoat
1: that's gonna be a problem with avatars like they're gonna be like you guys like avatar right but like no like you said like it's it's yeah, nobody uh, does <laughs> nobody yeah nobody is like a big you know stand for avatar or whatever but also the theatrical experience is at such contention with like other viewing experiences it's like people aren't going to be as excited it needs to be like a true event that you have to see in theaters and it has to be like that same kind of lightning that it was in 2009 it's just not going to happen it's not going to happen wow I can't yeah, wait for us gonna, to be right it's going to be so depressing I know, I it's, know. It's, we're going to be so right it's going to feel it's great de- <laughs> 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 it's going it to just I just really I, yeah I'm already like anxious about that happening because it's just like going to be such a disaster yeah
0: and all the yeah. takes are going to be terrible Oh the takes! Oh the the takes! takes. Um, All right, quick hits here. Uh, The the trailer for the second season of the terror called the terror infamy is out. It looks (laughs) fucking sick. It is, uh, let me find the, 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 this time around, the story centers on the infamous forced internment of Japanese-Americans in concentration camps in the wake of the attack on Pearl Harbor. Not just first-generation immigrants, but second- and third-generation Japanese-Americans as well. Part of the story takes place in the present as a Japanese-American community in Southern California is haunted by a mysterious specter. It sounds very timely. Um, Wow. It sounds great. It's cool that they turned this amazing show that was based on a book into a uh, kind of serialized, uh, what do you call it, uh, uh, anthology-type thing. I love that mm-hmm. they're doing another season. Um, can't recommend that show enough if you haven't seen it.
1: I think that's – I mean, I haven't seen this show, but that I love that idea of like – we're talking about franchises or how to like expand upon A Quiet Place, right? Like take kind of the gist of it, but then put it into a different place or to, to a different genre, right? Yes. That's, Which I, is what yes. makes like – yeah. It makes the Fast and Furious movie so great, you know? Yes, and <laughs> like, like why I'm –
0: I, I I couldn't be more excited for Hobbs and Shaw because it looks oh yeah exactly like what I want from that franchise which is like take the key elements that work which is like coherently shot insane action and then yep. just like up the stakes to obscene levels where I think I keep <laughs> seeing Idris Elba referred to as like black Superman in this movie like he's Perfect. just like he's just like a superhuman and it's like yeah that's what I want
1: that's I I they it will save the summer I'm pretty damn sure of that oh there's, for sure you know, there's and with David Leitch directing, I mean not to derail the terror conversation to my favorite topic of no, all time, the Fast and Furious. Me movies, too, but Joe
0: doesn't watch them, so I need I need I, rev, I will revel <laughs> oh, in this opportunity God. for a guest to okay. also chat about those oh. movies. Um, okay. So number nine is going to have John Cena. Yes, and right. uh, The Rock is not in it because I guess that the Rock Vin Diesel feud is not a PR thing; it's a real thing oh yeah you can even if you go back and watch fate of the furious oh I know. very yes shot they're in <laughs> together it's yeah amazing they, they do not have a scene together they shoot around it oh. it is amazing to behold that movie yep. was disappointing to me a little bit but i haven't rewatched it since the theaters and like honestly it's only disappointing in the scale of like i love these movies so fucking much I, even a bad even a one that's disappointing is still great um oh yes and i do hope that by nine or ten they end up in space right they have to
1: I, I think that's as long as you stay true to the characters kind of being in so much disbelief about what's happening, as long as they still are like these as, <laughs> racers at heart who have been kind of caught up in this action life, yes. then it's believable. But if they become like super space spy astronauts, it's not going to work.
0: Yeah. As long as Tyrese is still hungry, we're okay. Yes. 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 Okay.
1: And, um, and also, it's Justin Lin, too, who's doing 9 and 10, which is like a godsend.
0: I know. I know. I, I like can't believe uh he's coming back because that is like i I wrote a whole thing i think for business insider about why when he left (laughs) it was so much worse like i love james wan as a horror director but i really didn't like his uh fast movie but it wasn't his fault you know paul walker died and they had to you know frankenstein
1: this movie together and it was like very weird that movie is very weird too that it it is basically like a funeral It even has like this really kind of like desaturated color palette of like a lot of whites and blacks. So it looks like, like a fucking like, you know, yeah. a funeral. It's, it's a really bizarre weird. movie. Like, I remember
0: morning, being but... very, I just, I, I don't blame Justin. I don't know. I guess I do blame James Wan for, I don't think he knew how to shoot action yet in that movie. Like well, he was no, figuring no, no. it
1: out. Did you, you, did you see, um, the Kevin Bacon one he did? Oh, death sentence death sentence yeah he knows how to shoot action yeah that's a good point i guess the scale i guess is
0: different sure but... i could go with scale and then or i mean tone. i take
1: it back anyway
0: because i mean he just made aquaman which is fucking amazing i, I really amazing. think aquaman is an incredible movie and a incredibly directed movie and like the action yeah. is so fluid and coherent and like that's all i want from these superhero movies and i can't believe how muddled and shitty a lot of them look which is why well, which <laughs> is why i think i was so nice to dark phoenix because i'm like All the action sequences in Dark Phoenix are, like, awesome. I'm like, yeah, this is what I want. It's Saturday morning cartoon action. That's exactly what I want. And, like, I wish the whole movie stayed in that opening scene where they're in in space. But, like, whatever. It was fine. Yeah, if you can
1: kind of tell what's going on at the, like, the lights are kind of bright enough. There's enough kind of contrast yeah, and all the Marvel Superman movies look so incredible. Like, yeah,
0: totally. And all the Marvel movies look like they're shot on airport hangars, which they fucking are sometimes. Nice. They are, yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: Winter Soldier literally, right?
0: Yeah, truly. It's crazy.
1: <laughs> crazy.
0: <laughs> Those movies look like ass and they make so much money. And like it doesn't matter. People don't care. It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, <laughs> <even> matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Um a quick uh, I'm trying to get through more of these. uh Brahms the Boy 2 has been Oh, yes. What we'll, about it? We'll pause for a moment just to go, oh fuck yeah, the boy too exists. Forgot about <laughs> dude, that. Dude, let's go. Let's um, go.
1: Tell me it's coming out tomorrow. Tell me no, it's coming out tomorrow. No, unfortunately,
0: the opposite. It's been delayed. It was supposed to come out as re- it was supposed to come out next month, July 26. Yep. It just got pushed all the way to December, December 6, 2019. Um Damn. I don't Spooky. mind that move is- though because this is an oddly horror-filled summer it's like Hollywood is responding to horror movies doing well by trying to shove a bunch of them in the summertime and uh Child's Play opened okay this weekend it did like 14 uh which is low but like when you consider uh it's about what the original made with inflation I think the same you know it's like it's about the same which is impressive and the movie this movie didn't cost anything it cost like six or seven I think so um so it's already profitable and we'll probably you know we're in sequel territory maybe but but yeah it didn't do as well as i was hoping um but yeah i don't know i think annabelle's gonna do really well Uh, i think the last annabelle movie was quite good and it'll ride on that and also people want horror but i don't know child's play i think if it was called chucky it would have done better am i stupid for saying that i think you might be a little stupid but you might be a little (laughs) smart on that one yeah like i don't know I, I feel like child's play people a lot of people probably don't know that the original trilogy you know is called child's play because growing up i just called them chucky and i just assume everyone's like me so <laughs>
1: oh the man of the people oh. i see <laughs> so, but, so you're thinking though that like also because the previous the later earlier movies would just be of oh, chucky of oh, chucky you're thinking that this just- Yes,
0: because if, just... if you, I think I'm pretty sure if you look at the numbers, Bride of Chucky was the biggest one that they had box office wise, wow. and I think it's wow. I think it's partially because Chucky was like the first one that had Chucky in the name, and Chucky had built up uh, by then people knew who he was. Um, yeah, and I also that think is a it was spot, just the, right, yeah yeah it was just also just the time it was like you know uh, uh, two thousand I think or ninety no 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 ninety eight I think it was yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it's ninety eight because it's before. Uh, Ronnie, you go. He, it was his audition for uh, Freddie versus Jason. Ronnie, you went on to direct that. Yes. Love Ronnie, you big fan. Come to do the Yu show, Ronnie, you. You um, know you're listening, Ronnie, you. Yes, um, a couple more. The Purge season two just cast a bunch of new people. i'm Not sure if that means it's going to be anthology style. Joe is the one who started the Purge TV show on this podcast, and I didn't watch it at all, so I'm not sure. <laughs> about that this is an important update for nobody uh the purge is coming back though that's what the news is uh, great th- from blumhouse and usa network um also amazon sets a tv show called dark web for july 19th um it piqued my interest because I, assu- I, th- I thought it was associated with unfriended but i don't think it is um but unfriended dark web is great i'm going to use this as an opportunity to plug it and oh, check man. it out um <laughs> Yeah, and Dark Web, uh, a genius programmer's mysterious disappearance leads to the reunion of old friends and discovery that the strange story she left behind may point to an impending technological crisis. Um, each episode of the series t- takes a, uh, delves deep into the strange and dangerous Dark Web. All right, sounds interesting. I don't know anything about it. <laughs> All right, I think we're done with news. Let's jump to What Did You Watch? Uh, before we get to Child's Play, which I know we both watched, you sure. saw, you went. At, was it the Music Box Theater syn Apocalypse screening? Um, yes,
1: yes. Uh, Cinepocalypse, Apocalypse, which is the their kind of their genre festival. So like horror, sci fi, anything that's weird and out there, and heavy metal. Uh, at the Music Box Theater in Chicago. Yeah, the synapocalypse festival. Uh, and the movie is called Verotica. Verotica. It is. Uh, which is based off of his. Glenn Danzig's comic book series, Verotik, V-E-R-O-T-I-K.
0: Okay, so Verotik is Glenn Danzig's comic. Uh, Glenn Danzig, yes. if you don't know, is the uh, the, the lead singer of the, the band The Misfits, and uh, also his solo career as Danzig. <laughs> and yes. uh, if you listen to this podcast, you probably know, because Joe has at length talked about Danzig, and, including when he went to their reunion show, big reunion show in Chicago a couple years ago and how shitty that was. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that that it was just revealed that those tours are the reason that these are happening is literally a contractual ob- or a court-mandated obligation right. for them to do it. So, yeah, that energy was felt.
1: <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah,
0: and uh, I'm sure the energy was felt in the room at
1: Music Box when this movie screened. Tell me what the fuck that was like. So, let me... so basically Glenn had thought that he made like a great horror movie and he was very proud of this movie and he showed up like 40 minutes late because he was still editing it. <laughs> so, so you're sitting in a theater and it's opening night and everyone's excited because Glenn Danzig's going to be there and it goes past seven o'clock showtime. Then it comes seven 40 and everyone's like, uh, okay, Glenn Danzig does show up and he talks about how, He's always wanted to, like, be a filmmaker and that he has, like, always been interested in, like, the image and been a big horror fan. And he starts talking about how, like, this movie was not made with, like, any Hollywood producers telling him what to do. And he talked about how one producer wanted him to put in a beach scene or something like that. He's like, I'm not going to do that. Era. And he then says Fans like, of
0: era. non-beach scenes cheered. <laughs> like,
1: yeah. what, what was that yeah. for? <laughs> it was yeah, it was it was funny because he kind of was starting to frame it as like this was his like independent kind of rebellion against Hollywood. So he's kind of setting the stage that, okay, this is gonna be indie horror. So it might be kind of like a little shabby or something, but it's gonna be like integrity, you know? Yeah. And he even said something like, Oh, you know, we use real F stops here. We don't use this post-production thing where they tell you afterward to go make it look pretty in post-production or anything. So you get the stage that like, okay, he's like really passionate about this movie, uh, that he's been influenced by like other horror anthologies like black Sabbath. Um, and, uh, yeah. So he sets the stage like that. And then the movie plays, um, I'd say about five minutes into it and you'll see as it happens and might, you might even be able to tell when the movie gets really strange, is uh, to everyone starts laughing, and it cons- creates the movie creates like a pretty consistent swell of laughter like from start to finish because it's very entertaining as a comedy. Oh man! And at the end of the at the Q and A, he basically said, "Well, you guys laughed at some things that I wouldn't have laughed at, but uh, that's okay." And it had indicate and then he indicated, um, especially with one scene in particular, how a scene was supposed to be scary. But it's actually very funny in the movie because it's so <laughs> clueless and so inept. Oh, so it was
0: poor guy. Was, I almost <laughs> feel bad for Glenn Danzig.
1: <laughs> so I have it on good uh, record from essentially well, it's gonna be playing uh, in LA on the 25th. Yes. Uh, Joe is premier. actually
0: and Joe is actually going listeners. so we will have a report on that from uh, from Joe next week.
1: Perfect because I feel like that's when it's going to come full circle. That number one, they will be able. So I have it a good authority that Glenn is okay or is happy with the response that he got at the music box on that Thursday night. Oh, really?
0: Yes, he's that decided he to lean
1: into it. <laughs> that yeah, that he knew that like this was entertaining in some way or something like that. But but what's but when you watch it though, you can still get it's, it. It truly has that that very Tommy Wiseau, Neil Breen, James Wynn sincerity. Oh, yeah. here is someone who is like truly thinks they are making like a great movie and a great statement and they have all their influences, but they are so equally inept at what they are trying to do that it becomes funny to watch them try and just – fail by their own laziness or by their own stubbornness, basically. Right. So the filmmaking in this movie becomes funny, not just like how corny the lines are or like the, the strange develops the characters, but you'll see plenty of shots where like the focus will miss its target or you'll have pl- <laughs> see plenty of shots. <laughs> you'll see plenty of shots for the actors. Just like they don't know when to, to stop acting. So they just kind of keep going and you can tell that like he hasn't called cut yet. Um, <laughs> It's really – so it is one of those movies also where like you could use it to teach filmmaking the same way that Bird Diamond by James Wynn could be used to talk filmmaking or The Room by Tommy Wiseau. Right. Muratik has that special quality. So it was pretty exciting to be in a room watching a movie that you had no idea what it was going to be like and only right before it started was I like, wait a second. What if this sucks? Well, of and course. Then I would have been thinking that weeks in advance. I <laughs> think <laughs> I hadn't I hadn't even computed that because yeah. it was oh it's open night, it's Gland Danzig, it'll probably be like fine, but yeah. you know, it'll be worth talking about. But no, it was it was truly bizarre. Especially to watch the movie and go from, oh, this is silly and maybe when he talks about horror he means campy, so he's like kinda being a bit glib with his horror idea that like his idea of horror is kinda goofy, but also full of blood and everything. But then to realize like halfway through the movie, like, oh, wait a second. When he talked about how much he loves horror and what kind of horror he loves, he was not talking about B-movies or about funny or anything like that. And then to see it get plotted so insane and indulgent and just stupid was really amazing. So I'm I'm rooting for the Los Angeles audience to have a great time with it. And I heard that it's going to come out, what, in VOD, Halloween time or something? Sounds about right. Yeah, which is a perfect— Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no just, just like that's a that's a perfect way for it to come full circle. They might get a couple other festival screenings in there, maybe Fantastic Fest or something. But uh, the movie does deserve kind of the prominence of these other movies, and it's not also a title that I use lightly as someone who loves bad movies and seeking them out, right. but also knows how kind of like sanctified they are. That like the room is very uh, miraculous in its own way, and you don't you do don't, don't call this any bad movie the room, but this right. I think is. There's, worthy of pedestal
0: totally that, well, that sounds very interesting um they yeah like for me there's such a fine line between like a good bad movie and a bad bad movie because uh yeah you have to be it has to be genuine you can't you can't be intentionally trying to make a bad movie and a lot of people do that now and i think it sucks right. and those movies aren't funny like that's why Sharknados are not fun to me um exactly yeah and that's why the room is so funny because the same exact thing that happened with Glenn Danzig, it sounds like, is what happened with Tommy Wiseau when the movie premiered. Except I think Tommy Wiseau was fucking like not not cool at first with it at all. Like he was fully like, you know, it's not funny. <laughs> this is, this right. is not what I what I wanted. But I think you know he eventually. I mean, clearly he accepted it. He he. I mean, I I was working at movie theaters when he would come and do you know, do screenings and boy, does he want to sell you a football? Like he will. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's turned it into a, uh, a money making venture. He's doing fine. The underwear too. Oh, the that's boxer. right. Yeah. 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 I was, you know, I went and saw the room in theaters for uh, at least twice and thought it was fun. And now I'm just like, fuck those people. How? Like, <laughs> I think it's because yeah. I had to, I had to clean up all the, all the spoons thrown mm-hmm. at the screen and shit after, yes. after screenings. I'm just bitter now.
1: Um, that that's like a whole. Seeing the room is like a whole roller coaster experience. Like everyone is just like loud and just like it's just building and building and building. You know. Yeah. I
0: I wasn't I I was not big on the disaster artist, but I uh I yeah. do I'd rather watch the room than watch that again. I feel like.
1: absolutely. Yeah. No. Yeah. The disaster artist is so it simplifies Tommy so much, especially if you've read the book. Where right. it kind of really goes into the the enigma of Tommy Wiseau and also the motivations of why he would do all these things, kind of like Glenn Danzig, when you're like, like what what are his interests that are coming in so transparent? So, yes, he wants he likes horror, so he wants to see a lot of blood, and then he just kind of like dumps it on his poor actresses. <laughs> or yes, he loves strip clubs, so there are three elongated strip club sequences with like one of his villains in the second story just like stripping to a dumpy Danzig song. And it's wow. just, like, that sincerity, like, these are his, like, wishes. Like, this is his idea of a perfect movie.
0: Yeah, I can't wait to see this. You've sold it very yeah. well. And then you also <laughs> you also saw a sneak peek at, I think it was the same festival... Of yes. the, the new as you know, we love them on this podcast, the the Hulu Blumhouse <laughs> into the dark franchise. Do I don't know. Do you love them or you just kind of, you, no. you kind of let them exist? we we dread them like nothing else. <laughs> right. Like, I can't even describe the the horror I feel when I when I open Hulu and see that there's a new one it's very
1: scary what's the, what's the worst one to you i haven't seen any of them so i have a different kind of perspective oh, for you what's the oh worst man? one? oh
0: man they're all very bad um okay flesh and bone i think is the second one it's terrible uh the body okay. is the first one the, basically the, the gist of them is that a lot of them would make a great like 15 minutes short and and they just awesome. stretch it till 90 and like these are, they're all 90 or under and they all feel like they were padded. And it's like, how, how is this idea padded? <laughs> um, there's a couple that work, uh, Sophia to calls uh, new year, new you. Yeah. Yeah, good. yeah. Uh, there's some, okay. God, a debut, uh, female filmmaker, whose name I do not remember. She did. God, I don't even remember the name of the one it was, it was the mother's day one. It was, God, I have no idea what the name was. Um, uh, uh it was, what, what, what month was mother's day? Is that May?
1: may yeah i'll look it up right now check
0: out the may one um but the june one was bad the june one was they come knocking and it was it felt like a family drama that they truly just like threw a couple horror sequences into to make it fit the 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 the, the series it was really bad um but tell me about uh this Uh, new one and what is it called
1: and all, all that, that we destroy thing. is the Mother's yes, Day. Yes, all like that Chelsea we destroy. Chelsea Stardust.
0: Yes, Chelsea Stardust. All that we destroy is actually quite good. It plays like a Black Mirror episode. It's more like okay, tech focused, um, but it's, sure. it, it it works. It's really good.
1: Okay, so it's my my brief. Uh, it's so funny, uh, Brian uh, Talarico at, at Ebert. He reviews all of the Into the Dark movies, yes, and I've he does. like been reading and editing his <laughs> stuff. And it's been really kind of morbidly funny to me because every week, every month, he's like, "Oh my god, like it's like maybe this is good," but like he just is always yeah, no, disappointed. That is
0: exactly us. We keep getting our hopes up, like, "Well, people said this one's good," and then uh, we keep yeah. going like, "Yeah, it's even the best ones are just like, yeah, it's pretty good." Like. Yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's it's hard to get excited about. I feel the same way about them as I do like this entire new season of Twilight Zone. They're all very unremarkable, and like I wouldn't recommend oh, yeah. any of them to anybody.
1: Damn. Yeah. Oh yeah, Except that's, that's that kind of funny how that yeah. kind of just dropped off. No one kind of you know it didn't become the event. It didn't, and I'm glad about. it got
0: picked up because I think they could fix it. It's very like yeah. all they the, the direction was great. The writing was just shit. Like spend more mm. than three seconds on the script, and they would and they would be fine. Damn, it felt very rushed. I will say that. Not not Peel.
1: Not, no, not Jordan Peel-esque.
0: Not Peel-esque. And you know what? I've said this on the podcast, and I shouldn't say it, but I will say it again. Um, mm. My friend – somebody I know uh, who works on a late-night show was in, like, a green room with Jordan Peel, and they were talking about – The Twilight Zone and Jordan was very, this is before it even came out, he was very like dismissive and just like, yeah, they're not very good. (laughs) And like, yeah, like you can tell he, like, it, he, you know, his name's on it and he maybe greenlit the ideas, but like he didn't like take a fine tooth comb and go through these scripts because he even fucking knows they're, they're, they're almost indefensible. A couple of them are, a couple of them are fine, but like most of them again are just, just like the Into the Darks, they're way too long and they don't right. ever justify that.
1: But let's talk about this one,
0: which you said yes. was good, I think,
1: right? So, yeah. Um, so it's funny you mentioned about like padding. This one uh, this one is called Into the Dark Culture Shock uh, and it's directed by Gigi Sol Guerrero, okay. um, who is uh, Mexican-Canadian. Uh, I think she's from Canada as well, um, but it doesn't have the same padding and it does feel kind of like people have called like a twilight zone episode, which I kind of can go along with, but it's, um, yeah, it's, it's not a padded out movie. It is like kind of in thirds where it starts off with this woman in Mexico who's pregnant and she really wants to make it to America. And the first third is about her going to America and how kind of, how much of a horror movie that is, the process of going through like the darkness with these strangers, these men that take advantage of her financially and everything, mm. to this uncertain destination. And I won't spoil it, but I do want to kind of like get to the next part. Like then she kind of wakes up and it's like this very cream color. well, she gets to the border and then she or I forget how she blacks out or whatever. And she wakes up in this like very cream colored, um, heavily saturated, Barbara Crampton living uh idea of America. And she's in this, like, quaint suburban town where everyone's smiling and it looks very kind of...
0: Like Stepford-y. Um,
1: Stepford-y? exactly. Yeah. So it's a movie and then, like, essentially the story is kind of about her kind of understanding kind of the America before her eyes, so to speak. Um, so the movie then has, like, a third, uh, a, like, a last third that's also very distinct. It's, like, also a different color palette. It's also a different tone. Um, and then it kind of merges them all together to kind of create the story that is ultimately an effective kind of nightmare about America from someone's perspective of trying to migrate to America. So it has like an anger to it in a way. Yeah.
0: That sounds that really not, good.
1: Yeah. I, I, I think at the very least it's good. I like it a good deal. I think people will, I think people will like it. So I'm kind of really excited for people to see it, but it's much, it sounds much more thoughtful. Than these other kind of premises that I've been reading about, and these reviews I've been reading from Brian that have been <laughs> kind of so, like, yeah. Well,
0: I feel like every month we get the someone at some publication calling this month's Into the Dark the best one yet. So I bet we're gonna get a bunch of right. that for this one. Um, but right. that sounds on very similar to one of my favorite movies that I've seen on Shutter this year. That I think it's technically a 2017 movie, but it just. Dropped on Shutter, so that's when I and I first sure. saw it. It's a Shutter um, movie now. It's a Shutter movie now. Uh, have you seen Most Beautiful Island? No oh, shit, no. It's it's all
1: on my list. It's on my list. It on my Shutter
0: sounds list. exactly like what you just described, but like, oh, it sounds a little different. But like that movie is like seventy something minutes, which is mwah, perfect, amazing. Oh yeah, but, uh, love that. Yeah, it's uh, a <laughs> it's an incredible movie that also. Has that like c- it's it's real and urgent and like it has that feeling like like you just described where it's like this kind of has something to say rather than just you know a dumb horror movie. Uh, really, yeah. really good.
1: Yeah, I would say this one has something to say. I think like when you watch it, you can definitely understand what it's trying to say. But I'd say I would that the the ideas behind it are interesting. That it could start a discussion, and also that it comes from the perspective of someone migrating to America. And about basically how America is not kind of, it should not be accepted as is. And that it's a movie about the border that's not kind of about villainizing anybody trying to come over the border, but more about villainizing America. That's like a really interesting perspective to have. Totally. And it kind of informs it in a different way that it's, you know, so you can imagine people watching it and being like, wait, why is this movie about someone trying to get into America illegally and why are they kind of like the right person in it?
0: Right, that is interesting.
1: Yeah, so so that it does that, but also it is very entertaining uh, that there's some good scrappy violence, that uh, it comes with a kind of a – it truly looks like a movie that does fit within a very Blumhouse uh, version of horror, which is like very Purge-like or very Get Out-like, down to the opening credits starting with America the Beautiful – over some like sporadic news clips. So I would even say you could skip the opening credits to this one. Oh brother. Just because, okay. Yeah. You know, because it gives such a purge vibe and also kind of shows images of what's going to happen throughout the story. I hate that. But just in general. Yeah. Yeah. I hate it too. It's just like, yeah, it's like, why? It's like, I know Creed Bratton's going to come eventually now because he's, you know, on the thing. Yeah. That, that, uh, I hate that so much. <laughs> wow. Okay. Good to know. But, uh, but yeah, but just a. Because it makes it look like it's gonna be just like oh Blumhouse movie, but no, it's it definitely stands out. That also sounds
0: like uh, there was a Twilight Zone episode, the last, uh, the second to last one, maybe. I think it was Jennifer Jennifer Goodwin. the 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 premise was essentially what if uh, illegal immigration, but happens to white lady. That's what the it was. It was really stupid. But uh, it sounds like the same general idea, like, the, you know, the gist of, like, just being like, we're a horror show, you know, we're going to show you the horrors of this thing, but we're so, I don't know. I just couldn't believe that episodes, like, the whole, the whole premise, the Twilight zone aspect was just, it's a white lady. Like, that's, I was just like, what? yeah like That's know. lazy. You could have told this story with, you know, actual immigrants, but whatever. Right. Um, yeah, right. this one sounds better than that.
1: This, uh, it does sound better. <laughs> but no Jennifer Goodwin. Hmm. No Jennifer so Goodwin. Is no, it better? No, I, do like, uh, I do support Jennifer Goodwin, but it sounds like she that's not her best story. Yeah, well,
0: so uh, uh, ditto that for every episode of that show and every cast right. member because they're great and they have nothing to do. It's so sad. <sighs> All right. So that was what you saw. Um, I'll talk about yes. my triple feature attempt for a second. Um, I say attempt, well, it it mostly happened. So here's what happened. Um, I left the office uh, at three. The first movie was at 3.30. I had a perfectly 25, 30 minute walk. Uh, I get downstairs, realize I left my umbrella upstairs and it was supposed to rain. And I was like, you know what? It's not raining right now. I don't need it. Uh, The second I like get out of, just out of range to go back and get my umbrella, it starts pouring And, like, I was already committed to the walk, and I had, like, you know, too far from the train to go back. And I was just like, all right, I'm just going to keep going. So I Mm -hmm. just trudged in pouring rain, like pouring rain, the hardest it's rained in New York in a very long time, uh, to the movie theater. Didn't have an umbrella. And I just it was just like such a moronic thing to do because then I get there and I'm truly just soaking wet. My socks are wet. I have shoes. I am just a mess. And then I go to a very air conditioned theater and just sat down and watched three movies. (laughs) Like I was so like this cold and (laughs) miserable. Like, yeah, it was really stupid. So, uh, that didn't hinder my enjoyment of (laughs) late night, which I thought was fine. Like I, uh, I enjoyed it enough. It's, very light and slight and amusing and uh emma thompson's great in it the script's a little i will just say it doesn't really earn its big emotional moments it just kind of lets them happen and and expects you to you know accept it and move on um Mm. i wasn't thrilled with that but the movie is harmless and cute and like you know i'd recommend it to like my parents or something they would like it um Coming to Amazon soon. Yeah, definitely. Will be on Amazon dead soon. Does. They paid a shit ton of money for it.
1: <laughs> That's right. Yeah, the Sundance.
0: Yeah. Um Dead Don't Die. The Dead Don't Die. Okay. I full disclosure. <laughs> this is this is the part of the I mean, I, I made it into the movie just in time yeah. for the second one. Uh sat down and like, of course, I was very uncomfortable because as I described, I was soaking wet. I was amazed that. I was still wet by the second movie because like I left my shit on the railing, like my sweater and my uh, jacket Mm. and it was still soaking wet. Everything was still soaking wet. I was like, "Ah." I'm like, if this movie's not good, I'm going to go leave and get, you know, try to get a, find a dryer or something. And uh, so, you know, have you seen the movie? I have not. I've read positive and
1: negative reviews of it.
0: I don't know what the fuck is wrong with the positive people, but... (laughs) (laughs) why they would say that. But I I just don't get it. I love Jim Jarmusch so much. uh, Patterson is my favorite movie of that year. Like, I love it. Um, Couldn't fucking stand this movie. I only made it about half an hour, admittedly. Um, It just wasn't for me. It's just so... It's I don't don't even want to say deadpan, because that's giving it too much credit. Like, it wants to be deadpan, but it's just, like, boring and totally indifferent. And... um, I've never seen such a distant performance from any actor as like Bill Murray in this movie. It's just, like he couldn't want to be there less. And like I'm sure that's the – people will say that's the point of the performance. Like whatever. It was bad. <laughs> uh, the, the movie is insanely poorly written. Uh, it's like making the most obvious like statements about society and culture. And, sure. like You know, it's just like the most obvious comparison. Like America's like, you know, what if, what if zombies? We're all zombies. Like – it's just I I can't believe they like I I, I read a great interview with uh, Jim Jarmusch I think with with Bilga Ibiri about mm-hmm. uh, the movie and like he talked about how hard the shoot was and how difficult it was and all, all this stuff I'm like I'm imagining all the work that goes and then it just reminded me of all the work that goes into such a bad movie <laughs> and it's like I just couldn't believe it, it it's a, just a waste of everybody involves time I just can't believe it exists very Does
1: the movie yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I, uh, does the movie sound like? Is it a generational thing? You think? I, I truly don't know. Like, I don't know who would. I don't know who would like this movie.
0: It's just very laid back. Like, people existing as 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 zombies crop up, and like Tom Waits is there to explain to you what it what it all means in between. It's just. God. I I I I, can't, I couldn't stand it. I had to get out of there. So I tried to find a laundromat that let me. There were two oh, laundromats well. in the f- nearby that did not let me just dry clothes. They were like, you have to wash them first. And I was like, okay. So I thought that was weird. Um, but yeah, I ended up not drying my clothes and just eating uh, Chipotle and going back to Child's Play. <laughs> That's perfect. Seven. Yeah, it worked out fine. Um, and You a couple, got Chipotle at least. Yes. Okay, I got dinner and a couple friends met up with me before the movie and we saw Child's Play together, which was fun because uh, Lead Buried uh, Child's Play 2019 is a fucking blast! It is so much fun. <laughs> I couldn't believe that I was watching this silly movie that was making me like giddy. Uh, it it's uh, I don't I, w- I want to talk about it without spoiling it at first, and then we'll go okay. into spoilers. So just base review for me will be it works because it is a remake in like to what I think a remake should be, which is it doesn't. Like it's not a shot for shot, or it's truly not uh, just remaking the original movie. It's reimagining it. It truly is updating it. And I sound like a studio kook or hack for saying that. But like this is the one case where uh, the pitch of "what if Chucky but modern update"? Like I think that actually right. is smart, and it and it and I mean the writers and the the, the writer and director here prove that it's smart because really does work as a reimagining it doesn't want to be child's play uh 88 or whatever year it was it doesn't even mm-hmm. try to tell that story at all it tells its own story the names of the characters are the same but the characters are very different the story couldn't be more different than the original um and yeah i just was shocked to find it super super fun like laugh out loud funny throughout um I thought the design, you know, from the trailers and posters looked really dumb and like, how is this going to work? It's so stupid. But the movie knows it's dumb and knows it's stupid mm-hmm. and plays with that. And that's why it works. Um, I was just very pleasantly surprised with how fun this movie was. And I will let you talk now.
1: No, I, I agree. I think I went into it just kind of like, well, uh, I guess they made a new Chucky movie. Uh, horror remakes have been really bad lately. Um, yes. Or just they can't really build upon, you know, I think about like The Friday the 13th remake. Yes. Which has like Marcus a nice Nisble. nastiness. Yes.
0: What? I was just listing the, the naming the director who we
1: make fun of a lot on this podcast. Marcus Nissbol. Nissbol? Nissbol, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Video director guy. That one like guy. kind of <laughs> oh, right, and also The Nightmare on Elm Street, which is also a video director guy too. Yeah, which is um, abhorrently bad. Right. Uh, so Yeah, to go into like just another reboot of a horror franchise character um, with also an absurd premise. Um, And then I re re rewatched the first one the night before just to kind of get a refresher. Yes. And uh, yeah, this one was just like so much more fun for me. And I feel like it did capture what people want out of the later Chucky's, which is kind of like humor and like not taking it too seriously, but also being nasty. And I feel like this kind of has both. Absolutely. Um, almost to a point where uh, Aubrey Plaza and Brian Tyree Henry, they're the very inspired casting choices because they're both very deadpan. So they help make it kind of like ironic without being kind of lazy or anything like that. They kind of help create this world where it's like, well, oh, yeah, you know, fucking millennials, as Brian Tyree Henry says. Yes. Amongst like this carnage that is uh, like slowly kind of created by A character who has a totally different motivation, which is an amazing thing. We talked about that, too, a little bit. Yes. Um, But, yeah, that that it uh, very quickly kind of says, like, this is going to be different and also it's going to be a little bit unpredictable, too. Uh, And that it's also the conceit. A very key conceit is that it's not about, like, the first one's about, like, everyone believes that Chucky is a killer, like, pretty early on. And they're like, oh, how do we stop this killer doll? This one is, like, no, it's the kid who cried doll. And then it becomes a little Stranger Things and kind of it with its like group dynamics. But still, that provides like a nice base for it to be kind of like a horror movie for a kid where the adults then get kind of like the brunt and the torture of it all, basically.
0: Right. Um, and I watched, when I watched the original the other night, I actually watched it with commentary, which was uh, fascinating for a number of reasons. I actually, had a, I actually had a viral tweet because one of the things <laughs> revealed in the commentary is that oh, yes. Jessica Walter of, you know, Arrested Development and Archer fame, uh, and Play Misty For Me, obviously, and all the classic stuff. And play but like Misty for Yeah, me. Jessica Walter was was once the voice of Chucky in the original movie. They literally right. test-screened that. Um, there's, there's a lot of... Uh, hi- there's an oral history somebody wrote about it, too, that talks about that. And, like, kind of what happened was uh they they uh, so like she made all the scary stuff work but she couldn't make the humor work so like it didn't they they passed Mm. but like there are test screening audiences who saw that cut and like i would love to see what that uh what that reaction was i would just want i just want to hear what jessica walter chucky sounds like another thing i learned on the commentary was that um this this new remake after watching it after listening to the commentary it seems to resemble a lot of Don Mancini's original script that ended up, like, cut from the from the original. Because in this one, in the new one, the doll's name is Buddy. And, like, that was always the name in, in Don Mancini's version. Mm. and um, And the whole thing about the boy crying wolf, like, that was his original script. It was way more like that. It was way more like they think it's the boy until they don't, you know? Like, it was, like, all about the pursuit of Andy as the as the potential killer which the movie does do the original but uh yeah this one does it i think a a little differently i feel like it did crib from his script a little more which would make sense because of the right situation that is happening here because Mm. this movie exists because mgm owns specifically the original child's play and like nothing else so like Universal had distributed the rest of them I think and then right uh, MGM only has the first one so there's always weird rules so like basically right now they're allowed to make Child's Play but they're not they don't have the rights to Child's Play 2 so I, they literally probably can't even use that title if they wanted to they probably have to change it to something else and they have to, have to drastically from my understanding is they have to just do something different they can't do their like their Child's Play 2 has to be markedly a different movie than the one that exists or else they can get they're like opening themselves up to be sued i think so it's just wow. very interesting weird situation because as i have mentioned the podcast while we're talking about this movie uh this movie's production for the past few years don mancini is currently you know the guy who created the created the franchise and then uh, wrote every single one and directed the past couple or the past three um he is now doing the Chucky series actually just called Chucky on sci-fi and it's continuing the canon. It's this is the actual, so the franchise that everyone knows and loves is still continuing and will be on TV. And there's also this movie. So I feel like that's part of the reason I went in expecting to hate it. I was like, I'm a fan of the original franchise and I shouldn't like this remake. This is going to be bad. And you know, I shouldn't be, I shouldn't uh, uh, support it. But walking away from this movie Uh, I I, I do support it and I want another one and I hope it's successful enough that we get sequels and I'm totally fine with both of these coexisting because they are so different and like there's an argument to be made that this movie didn't need to be called Child's Play you know it's very clearly like you know this premise could stand on its own but we're gonna we're gonna you know take the name recognition of Chucky and and use it
1: Mm -hmm. well you couldn't call like a Jason movie Jason or whatever right right
0: yeah So, like, I just – it's just – if this movie were out and it were about a different doll, it wasn't Chucky, and it was about this, you know, doll that becomes sentient and killer, like, it would – I would have liked it still. I just don't think Mm. it needs to to be Child's Play to work, and I think that's why – again, that's why it works, because it's not the remake of Child's Play. And I'll – okay, we can get into spoilers now, I think. So, this is spoiler talk now. Everything – basically, if you're – if you don't want to hear spoilers, go see this movie and come back. I do recommend it wholeheartedly. I think Same. Nick also rec- Yeah, Nick recommends it. Uh, it's a lot of fun if you like horror. If you're a fan of the show, I think you'll like it. Uh, and if you don't like the original movies, I'm curious if you will like it. Because uh, Joe, I'm curious your opinion when you see it. I'm sure he'll tell us. Um, but this movie, why it's different? The key difference, I guess, is that Chucky, in the original movie, is uh, Chucky happens because of like voodoo magic, like chucky is the doll chucky becomes possessed by the soul of a serial killer who's like dying in the streets of chicago and like inside a toy store inside a toy store in chicago he he mutters some like uh, uh some ancient whatever words and then he his soul transfers into this doll and then the whole franchise is kind of that's the that's that's the peg of it it's it's a serial killer in there and some movies he's trying to get out and some of them, he's just trying to kill people. Uh, And one of them, he's trying to get laid. It's great. They're all great. Um, (laughs) They really are. I really don't have a problem with any of these. Uh, I used to think seed was bad, but in hindsight or watching it now, I Uh think it's way better Uh than, than I used to think. Um, But yeah, maybe I'm, maybe I'm crazy. Uh, Seed uh, Seed of Chucky is when Don Mancini, first started directing them and it's just like has right. this self-awareness that they don't that is new and like uh he's a he's a gay he's a gay man and i think it's an interesting he brings some interesting uh i don't want to say politics but like it's not even he his movies were like woke before people said things were woke you know like he always mm. like in, was sure to include all these weird gender discussions and stuff and uh mm. i thought it was like it's a, it's a weird vehicle to hear that stuff like it's from a horror movie about a killer doll but i think it actually works really well um but anyway what was i talking about before i got on my rant about seed oh yeah so the new one the old one is voodoo <laughs> voodoo and serial killer stuff and this new one is very pointedly not about that it is it, the, the the premise is simply like boy gets smart doll like the doll is uh we're introduced to this company called caslin i think and it's this like yep. it's this monopoly as company very like Amazon esque. Uh, they run everything in your house. Like it's all connected, internet of things. You know, like your. If you buy this buddy doll, it can turn on your AC for you. It can t- turn your TV on for you. It can turn on your stove for you. Like it's this interconnected smart toy. Um, and the reason which which again when I hear that I was like at first I was rolling my eyes like good God like I don't need a Chucky movie that deals with that, but. The way the way it unfolds, like, I was just so... I was sold. I'm like, this works. This is a true thing I believe, like, could possibly happen if, like, you know, uh, if a doll were... If the doll's violence inhibitors were turned off or whatever that fucking right. scene was. Um, yes. Yeah, so basically, uh, a disgruntled Vietnamese factory worker is responsible for Chucky's evil here because he re- literally just... My favorite... Another thing that made me laugh out loud is that this guy is on an assembly line making Chucky dolls knows enough to like code in the, the evil to it. Like he gets fired from his job and he immediately starts coding aggressively like, Oh, this guy knows yep. how to code. Cool. <laughs> um, yeah. I thought that was great. Uh, but, but yeah, when he's coding it to be evil, he just turns off the safety features and like literally one of them's like a violence inhibitor. He turns it violence off. Inhibitor, yep. Yeah. Really great. Uh, so Chucky is just a kind of like a blank slate when he comes to, you know, be Andy's toy and uh an evil blank slate because his safety features are off so then basically his his life experiences or like as chucky exists there's this great montage with you know him and andy mm-hmm. just being buddies and stuff uh but like as his relationship just becomes obsessive because all he knows is his owner and his best buddy and he's programmed to be best friends with this kid and all he wants to do is be best friends with that kid and that, you know, when your violence sensors are turned off, that means fucking kill anyone who gets in the kid's way. And I love that take on this premise and very specifically, which I DM we we're DMing about <laughs> the way that they read like Chucky is I want to I'm going to say radicalized <laughs> is radicalized. Chucky is radicalized by um, watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. One of my favorite movies, Toby Hooper's Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two, is featured quite prominently in the movie, and like the, it comes into play later again, which uh, the director says was a coincidence, but I don't really buy that. Um, <laughs> he said it was a coincidence, but like uh, so that scene happens, and then like you know, Chucky sees the sees uh, people like cutting people's faces off and sees people branding knives, and he comes into the room holding a knife and like acting like that, and I'm just like, of course, like this to me, this movie just kind of is genius because. Uh that is just such a fun take on the on this on the character, like to to have him be this like uh thing that's just corrupted by the world around him, and like mm-hmm. uh I just thought it was such a unique way to do it, and it's we still get the gory chucky kills that we wanted from the movie, but like it to me, it didn't lose anything by not having a serial killer be inside of him, you know
1: right, yeah, it's he's very childlike yes uh without the movie ever saying like oh violence like horror movies make you killers it's like no if you're like a very literal being with no moral compass and and if you understand that as like entertainment or as part of pleasing your owner uh then yeah then you chucky would do that so it's also funny like if you talk about like the toy story movies where the toys are about like Their purpose is about kind of serving their master uh, by any means necessary at the own detriment of their own existence. This is kind of like a much more honest depiction of that, (laughs) which I think is really, really interesting.
0: That is really interesting. I didn't think of that. Um, I also, to me, this movie plays more like small soldiers than it does like the original child's play doesn't it? Like, Small Soldiers, oh. if you've never seen it, I think it's a Joe Dante movie. But Joe it was Dante, a, sure. Yeah, it's a movie I watched, uh, I loved when I was a kid. It came out in like, ooh, I want to say 97, 98. Um, it's a movie that had, god, I remember his name, Tommy Lee Jones played Lieutenant Chip Hazard, <laughs> and there was uh, basically, it was a movie where uh, action figures came to life because Jay Moore and David Cross put military-grade chips into into dolls. And they and they become J-Moore. Yeah, it's amazing. They, they, <laughs> they uh, yeah. So the basically the movies becomes like a war between these two factions of dolls, like the soldiers and like the the Gorgonites, which are like weird monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, and that movie is very kooky and fun and stars a young Kirsten Dunst. And sh- and if you haven't seen it, I recommend that movie too. But, mm-hmm. um, the Chucky movie just to me like that premise is very similar. Like especially the third act when it gets to uh in the third act of the movie they get to like a department store and basically chucky turns all the new there's like awesome. a, a, a new buddy doll like buddy two and like there's mm-hmm. like a a bear version that they were teasing i'm like oh this bear is gonna fucking come to life and kill people it's gonna be great and it, yep. it did and it was
1: <laughs> um oh man i love that yeah that finale was great
0: yeah the finale was great so this entire movie uh it just—I don't know—it worked for me. I—it's—it's—it's it's, it's under ninety. It's so—it's such a quick, brisk movie that never like I was never bored. It never overstayed its welcome or anything for me. Um, and you're right, like it isn't. It, it might be better than the original Child's Play, and I feel like, <laughs> weird saying that, not like the the original I is like a classic. Or, I Join mean, me. Join me. Yeah, in that like, theory. I think, I to me, I hold that movie in high regard because I love the franchise, and of course, it's where it started. Um, but I do think, first of all, Child's Play 2 is better than the first one. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. This new Child's Play might be a more entertaining movie than the original. It's just like, it, it's very they're just very different, and I'm already mad at myself for comparing because I think they can exist... And both, I I, I love both for different reasons. Like, oh, uh, another difference here is uh, in the original, like Chucky has a doll voice that isn't Brad Dorif, And then when he's when he's alive, he has Brad Dorif's voice. Um, In this one, it's just Mark Hamill's voice the whole time. And he never really gets that like evil, uh, like fuck you, bitch voice. You know, like he's very (laughs) I mean, the old the old Chucky is very misogynist. He really is. Of course, yeah. Yeah. and There's like, that
1: sense in, in the dwarf Chucky where he's like trying – like when he's trying to get out or he's just like – he's raging and he's just so fucking angry about being in this doll. Yeah. So when he's attacking people, he's like screaming in this weird, disturbing way. But this one is about like he's a child and he does not know from the beginning and that's like – like you say, a blank slate. And he'll just say the catchphrases and he doesn't like go higher or lower – only when he sings like the buddy song do you see kind of like the little are more sinister. My buddy. Yeah. yeah, it's so good. <laughs> yeah, Oscar winning song right there. Dude, Bear McCreary's
0: score is quite good yeah. for this movie. Shout out to Bear McCreary. Uh, yeah, he's having a good year. Um, there were so many year. random things that made me laugh that are just like. Uh, like he kept saying, "Are we having fun now?" Which reminded me of Party Down. If anyone watches that, if you oh, ever wow. watch that, yeah, 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 he kept saying, "Are we having fun now?" Like is Adam Scott like uncredited on this movie? What's happening? <laughs> um, I'm trying to see. We gotta talk about the face. We gotta talk about the face uh
1: the face yes spoiler chat we got to talk about that seems like i feel like we didn't get to that yet when we we're talking about texas chainsaw oh yes about, yes uh, we haven't
0: talked about my favorite gag in the entire movie there's it's this... like when i
1: was converted to loving the movie it's yes like, okay so the it.
0: first moment i knew i loved the movie was as i said the texas chainsaw thing i was like Yep. It, I went from thinking the movie was better than I thought to being like, oh, man, I fucking love this movie. God damn it. I can't believe it. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. And then when this happened, I was like doubled over. I turned over to my friend. I was like, this is good. This is funny. I like couldn't believe it's it. The same. Talk about this. Oh. What? Uh, if you want to talk about that, sequ- that oh. sequence. Yeah. I've been yeah, talking too much. I would just much. say so, that...
1: Um... So first off, it's a movie that it doesn't make you afraid of Chucky; it makes you afraid of like the 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 nasty shit it's gonna make you see when you least expect it, which comes down to the first kill, which is when you know he gets to Shane, the boyfriend, the cheating boyfriend, and everything, and you watch him get the Eric Roberts Dark Knight treatment of landing on his feet from like two stories or whatever, and yeah, you see man. his bones kind of jut out of his skin, and that's like nasty. And you're like, oh man, it's gross. And then, you know, and then he gets like lawnmowered head in the head. And that was like really good. And so like you're coming down from that and you're like, oh, okay. And you're thinking that a lot of other horror movies, right? Or even other Chucky movies might even just kind of like leave it there. But no, this like builds an entire comic scenario out of him keeping the face and putting on a watermelon and giving it as a gift, which also adds to the Chucky character that he thinks it would be like a pleasing token or something, kind of like a dog or it's just yes. like something so obedient. And then, like, it gets an immense, a big laugh out of me. Um, but I mean, just like an immense, like, kind of like tone out of it. That then it becomes about like hiding this face, and also how horrifying that face is. And it's just, it's inspired.
0: Yeah, that There's whole no thing
1: way to put it. inspired, and then it's great.
0: Yeah, inspired is a good, good word for it. Also, like, it can that that then becomes like an entire act of the movie. I feel like is like deal, dealing <laughs> dealing with that because the way i don't want to spoil i won't spoil specifics but like it just becomes this escalating issue in the movie where it's like oh my god like it's truly like edge of your seat like oh my god they're fucked type of stuff coming from yes. this this one really silly idea which um you sent me this uh, interview with the director Lars Klevberg, who um he mentions that scene like you know uh it it almost it happened because they had to Make that sequence different than another Chucky movie, because I guess there's there is another Chucky movie where Chucky beheads somebody, and so the the scene was originally supposed to just include a beheading, but uh, they literally couldn't do it because it was too similar, and like they were afraid of getting you know called out of that, so they had to make it different. So his idea for making it different was to. Have Chucky skin the guy's face off and put it on a watermelon <laughs> as a token. So they gave this guy a watermelon patch. Like I was wondering why they had like a line in the script that was talking about this guy's fucking watermelon patch. And you then I'm like, like, oh yeah, okay, I see why. Um, but like, what a what a weird thing to do, and it totally works. And then uh, it works on another level because of the Texas chainsaw thing, because the scene that we see is him cutting off a face and wearing it. So then for yep. for Chucky to then do that. Uh, it it's perfect i i was like giddy that that's the moment where i was like yep. gi- i was just totally giddy i'm like this movie gets it it's like referencing horror in a fun way but like you don't yep. need to understand that for it to work but but it does work if you do uh it's yeah i'm i'm blown away that i loved <laughs> the remake of a chucky movie in 2019 right.
1: i i think it just goes to show that like uh, if you have like a franchise, but if you really are not afraid to to change that or to challenge that, because also that the face thing really is like so different. It's on brand, definitely. But it's so different from the story. You're like, where is this going to go? And right. even then when it gets to the, the, the grand finale of all these different, you know, these A.I. and everything, it doesn't come. I, I didn't like I still wasn't kind of expecting that, but it goes all out and it's still as nasty as you want it to be. Um, so, like, when there are moments of, like, a little girl getting sprayed with blood, you know, for, like, three or five seconds, which is, like, funny, but also, like, what you want from this kind of thing, it's it works.
0: Yeah, um, exactly. It's exactly right because it – and th- I know the other Chucky movies definitely – they definitely become comedies, but the the, the humor is so different here. It's like the humor in those is, I think, dark and like they're making quippy. They're saying quippy shit after they kill people. And like Bride of Chucky is very much like every kill, I think, is like a reference to something like John Ritter gets a bunch of nails in his head to look like Pinhead and they make a joke about that. Like it's very dark humor that requires you to know some stuff, I feel like, or know some dumb joke. Um, The humor here is just like, as you said, the humor comes from Chucky being like a baby, like a child who is like learning how to emote and like learning how to exist and all he wants to do is hang out with his best friend and like the humor just comes from that obsession and then right yeah and then that makes the whole movie different like the way he's killing for different reasons like he's not killing because he's a serial killer he's killing because he's trying to please his master who's like a 13 year old boy who doesn't want him to do he just misinterprets everything like every time the 13 year old says like like if he's angry about anything, he has to be careful what he says because Chucky will listen and go kill that fucking person. It's just like it, it just it just creates such an interesting narrative that I I just want to see so much more of.
1: Does the uh we would had like to get too spoiler, but like does the the guy in the basement kind of like shift things for you at all? Because he kind of essentially motivates. He changes the motivation for Chucky, right? How do you mean? By changing hard, like he changes the hardware of Chucky. Oh
0: right, yeah. Um, I never even. I actually didn't even consider that. That that that. I know. Be, it's so yeah.
1: weird. It's a, it's, a, it's another surprising thing when you're like, oh, like where you know the guy's gonna come back, but you're not sure like in what way, and then he kind of takes you into a different world, so to speak. And yeah, Chucky then
0: becomes you, yeah, like he gets Frankenstein back together after the kids uh, tear him apart or whatever, and then yeah, like right. yeah, and then Chucky comes back and is. I never even made that connection that he was like more evil now because of that. Yeah. yeah, you're right. That is what happens, though.
1: Yeah, I, I don't. know he's still disarmed by the lack of friendship. That's kind of like his weakness, though. Is like if Andy doesn't want to be his friend,
0: right? Like he, like when, yeah, I don't want to spoil. I was gonna say the other, yeah. another person he killed, but I don't want to spoil it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, they're basically. The, the kill all, just talking from a kill standpoint very clever kill sequences here even the one yes. like the one where he's the guy we just mentioned that kill sequence like it themes annoying at first like just like smart homie stuff but then it leads to like a nice rube goldberg like uh-oh oh. like this is oh. tense um yeah it's i nasty just nasty when it counts it's nasty when it counts i i just i'm fully I, I i i'm fully supportive of this movie um, another thing I think my friend texted me this he said he described the movie as remember remember that news story it was like they made a twitter bot and then it became like a Nazi racist in like an hour because like it was just an automated oh, AI twitter so bot that's kind nice. of how that's, that, that reminds me of Chucky's Ark here it's like mm. uh, just a blank computer slate going on logging on for the first time and then within an hour, it's murdering people. You know, like, it's just like, it's just like, it's nature versus, ner- you know, it's just like the the, the yep. nature of machines, you know? And like, I just think it's such a smart, clever take. I, you know, if you're going to remake a, a movie that people consider a classic, this is how you do it. You update it in a way that, People like me who are fans of the original aren't going to be offended, and they're going to be like, Oh, that's actually kind of clever. And I, I can enjoy both right. these movies side by side. My childhood isn't ruined. You know, <laughs> like I, right. I, I think this is a very, very smart and successful uh, reimagining. I don't want to call it a re- I don't even know what to call it. Reimagining sounds, sounds right.
1: Yeah. It just it gives you what you want from a Chucky movie, but it does it with like, different motivations. So, unless you really want like angry, misogynist Chucky, you're not going to get that in this one. <laughs> Yeah. But you do get nasty violence and you do get like a great stabbing, you know, that like is painful to watch because it's 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 calibrated so well and he builds up to it so well that it's genuinely surprising. And then that's what's really exciting about it is like the, this is a surprising movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it that, I think that's what uh, I keep coming back to like this movie repeatedly and thoroughly surprised me and like that's I can't believe I'm saying that of a horror yeah. movie in 2019. It just is such above and beyond what what you'd expect from from the genre and like they didn't have to make it this good and fun and i'm just happy that it exists and ah, 14 million is really not a lot but i hope it has legs i think it'll have legs because you know the new flesh is talking about it so uh, yeah
1: here we are we're promote go see child's play yeah the thank new you flesh. For, uh, thank you uh Param- <laughs> mgm orion
0: mgm orion yes um. Yeah. Fully in support. New Flash. We'll do whatever we can. We'll we'll, we'll write the sequel. We'll do <laughs> whatever. We'll work cheap. Um. But yeah, I don't think I have anything more to say about the movie. I really quite liked it. Do you have any stray thoughts or notes?
1: I think that just that people are going to see it. Like my friend is going to see it today, and I know people who saw it Friday night, and I feel like people are kind of interested in in a Chucky movie. At least at the very least, that it's like a good kind of horror middle ground of like you know it's not gonna be too scary but it'll be kind of like wicked fun it's just
0: yeah exactly that's like i saw it with two friends and we we all were just like laughing out loud at different moments even and just like we're all just having such a good time i feel like my crowd didn't laugh at the things i laughed at but i laughed a lot like the whole almost the whole movie i was laughing at like random dumb not just the one-liners but like i don't know there was so many just like like just chucky's dumb fucking face like it's so funny (laughs) It's so funny. And they do great things yep. with that. Like they know it's stupid looking and they and they and they and they have fun with it.
1: Yeah, yeah, and they and they and they make him creepy just by like his lack of boundaries that he like stares at Andy while he sleeps, you know, oh even though Oh my god, it's simple, that
0: like, scene yeah. is hysterical.
1: Yeah, funny. god.
0: I love this movie. I'm going to see it again. I've convinced go. myself I to go. see <laughs> it again. We're, I'm going right would... now. <laughs> I'm closing down I the would pod. Say, like... <laughs>
1: it's like unless your movie is like hereditary or like the first conjuring and you can truly be scary or something it you know there's something to be said about having more fun with the premise and there are too many movies that are just kind of like they try to elicit fun out of just like catching you off guard with a jump right. scare um whereas this is just kind of like a nice middle ground it's like this is what you want like people want to see a horror movie but it, yeah. it's just never to make it like that scary
0: yeah i was never i would say i was never scared i was entertained as like i was i couldn't have been more entertained by this movie though like i right. was fully yeah i'm just it's a crowd pleaser in that way and yeah i, I do i, I mean I'm, i might sound stupid by saying it's smart i just i think it is smart i think it's a clever take just, um smarter than it than you'd think um all right that was uh we've been talking for 90 minutes thank you so much wow oh um, wow yeah this was really fun i uh hope I hope you'll come back and talk about another movie in the future.
1: Sure, um I'll be back. Cool. Anything anything to plug? Any horror movies. Anything to plug. Um uh well, I'm on Twitter at, at Nick underscore Redux. Um I write for Roger Ebert Uh and I vulture um and I need a new roommate. Uh, august 1st <laughs> <laughs> coming to with uh,
0: apartment near you august 1st nick needs a new roommate
1: <laughs> no weirdos no weirdos
0: no weirdos underlined yeah no don't weirdos be, don't be a weirdo all right uh thank you so much nick uh <laughs> we'll be so back much. uh next week with annabelle comes home uh bye oh, the new flesh. i learned death is not
1: the hoping it'd be back.